0: Welcome to Afternoon Delight. Real people, real stories, a local podcast for local artists. Oh, hello everyone. Oh my gosh, what a nice weekend I've had. It's been Such a great um, weekend for me. I spent all morning working with the elderly for Valentine's Saturday doing drag and fashion. Apparently, I'm going to appear on a TikTok video, which is wild, because I absolutely know nothing about TikTok. I thought that was actually a clock reference up until six months ago during the pandemic. That's, you know, I know that I'm only 26, but mentally, I've got the age of like a 33 year old. Like, I drink wine most weekends, listen to music, read books you know, complain about men. I don't go on TikTok and know about any of these things, but apparently I'm going to be on a TikTok with all these ladies dressed up to the nines, voguing um, to Madonna, Vogue, obviously. And, uh, yeah, that was what my Saturday morning was spent doing. And then all afternoon for Valentine's weekend, I did a photo shoot wearing a gorgeous dress of all the places I love in Edinburgh, Carton Hill being one of them. (laughs) And yeah, I had such a wild afternoon and then I came home, gutted my house, fed my cats their fabulous treats because I got them some Sheba wet food for Valentine's weekend because I love my kitties. And I had a glass of wine and I'm now going to record this because this is going to be so much fun to get this going. You know, it felt authentic to have a glass of wine before um, introducing the guest for the second. Half of the double bill this weekend, which we're going to be doing every weekend now up until the um, beginning, sort of middle of March. And then I'm going to take a two-week hiatus because I've got to recharge my batteries. And I'm also going to be filming something during those two weeks, which I'm very excited to drop. So, yeah, let's get down to business. This is going to be such a great interview to share. I think for me, the fact that I worked with the elderly this morning is quite apt because I felt like I was sort of, in a way being a key worker, giving back a little bit. And the next guest we've got is actually a key worker, in my opinion. You know, we we can't dispute the NHS. I don't really feel like we need to clap for them every Thursday. I think we just need to give them a pay rise, you know, you toady cunts. (laughs) Sorry, not sorry. Um, I think we need to give them a pay rise, 110%. But until then, we're probably going to have to do that thing that we're going to have to let them come on the podcast and talk about how amazing they are. It's such a privilege to introduce this young lady. I say young, she's the same age as me, but actually, wait, she's like a year or two years younger than me, actually. Well, we just won't tell you what age she is, but Catherine Leggett from Dietetics in detail is an absolute superstar and hero right now, working as a dietitian in cancer formerly in fife and now in the western general which is very funny because i am under the western general with my lovely dietitians who take very good care of me i won't name them because that's probably a bit inappropriate however if they are listening by any chance then shout out to both of you for keeping me well the last oh god how long have i been in that unit now i'm 26 17 oh god nine years Nine years and you're still putting up with me, what a wee shame. <laughs> when I say that, by the way, I just mean that they've not went onto to other things or that I've not moved because my dream was always to move to London, which, now that I'm keeping well, who knows if that might happen. But enough about me. This is about the Scorpio, Queen of Queens, uh, talking about her um, work as a dietitian and her tips and advice for people right now during the pandemic. Please give her a warmest welcome to the gorgeous... Catherine Leggett from Dietetics In Detail. Hello everyone, welcome back to another episode of to Life. Now this is gonna be an interesting episode because for the first time, I mean, I consider all my guests in ways key workers to sort of the arts and the industry and to everyday life. But I think particularly this guest is to their heart and to the world, a key worker in different ways. And we have got a trained dietitian, an absolute icon from dietetics in De- detail, the gorgeous and really, honestly, such a such a lovely soul, Catherine Leggett.
1: Hi, hello. <laughs> How are you? I'm good. How are you doing today? I'm
0: good, thank you. It's do you know what? It's been a weird couple of days. I don't know if you've been feeling this. Um, Just in terms of personally, not just work-wise, like there seems to have been sort of a Mercury going in retrograde and everything's (gasps) ours.
1: (laughs) I just feel like the snow has just like thrown us all out of whack. Like no one knows, like what's going on? (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) You especially
0: being sort of an NHS worker, this must've been quite difficult for you to get into work. I can't really assume, but has it been difficult with the snow?
1: It's actually been lush, like, I've been walking to work and, like, taking pictures of the snow, but I was also like, oh, if I fall over, I'm going to the hospital anyway, so it's great.
0: you, <laughs> So, I'll give a little bit of a backstory and then I can let you introduce who you are, like every episode of Afternoon And um, Me and Kath have known each other for years. One of the things that kind of brought us together which is really funny that it was anniversary for a few weeks ago, was Wasted Youth, one of my first shows that you came as a fan and, and supported and we're in the audience with my friend, Lena. You ended up both coming on your own, but seeing each other through QMU and going, oh, do you know what? We'll sit together. And um, we've often had quite a nice friendship on social media, but it was during the pandemic that we actually said, do you know what? Shall we actually meet up as friends in summer when it was allowed? We started being like wine pals, where we've got CCs, and have wine inside my house, even have wine outside, and go for a wee coffee and a wander. So it's so great to kind of, I think for me, one of the things that was lovely that came at the pandemic was actually us becoming real friends.
1: Oh, that's so nice, so, totally.
0: And I remember we'd I'd obviously for a while, my listeners, I used to do um, YouTube videos. These were very brief and few, but we did a sort of. Healthy mind versus healthy body, and Calf came on as a dietitian giving advice for people that were sort of struggling to either maintain or put or lose weight. So we kind of got you on to do that, and we're kind of doing a similar thing with this podcast episode, aren't we?
1: Yeah, basically. So I mean, last time on the YouTube, I just remember talking about Activia yogurt and how much I love it. <laughs> oh.
0: So, Funny because what I literally had before when I was running to make a cup of tea was a quick Activia that you got me into, calf. So
1: I just love that you texted me one day and you're like, "I just had the intensely creamy one." And I was like, "Yes, yeah. <laughs> janon If you ever want to sponsor me,
0: <laughs> I'm going to Activia in this episode." <laughs>
1: oh my gosh, yeah.
0: So, can you introduce yourself to my listeners?
1: Yeah. Hi, everyone. Um, I always sort of joked that I had a face for radio. So here I am. <laughs> um, I'm so awkward. So please, yeah, be patient with me. But I'm, I'm a registered dietitian. I work in the NHS and I have an Instagram as well, which I've been using to sort of, well, initially it's for me to reflect on, on what I do, but also to educate other people. And I'll come on to talk about that a bit more later. Um, but yeah, so people have different ideas about what a dietitian is and what they do. I think a lot of time people think that we're the food police and you'll be in Tesco's, you say you're a dietician, someone's like hiding the chocolate in their trolley and actually I've got more chocolate in my trolley. So <laughs> it's always a bit of a funny one. There's lots of different preconceptions. Uh, but actually a lot of my job is helping people put on weight, um, which is great because you can tell them to have all the chocolate cream and cheese that they want. So yeah, that's what I do for a living, which is great.
0: And it's it's so fun because obviously on a personal note, a lot of people are listening No, I've got cystic fibrosis. So dieticians have been in and out of my life for years. And now they're involved in my personal life as a friend, which is lovely. Mm -hmm. Um, You came at the kind of right time because as a friend, you came when actually my health is the best it's been. So, um, you know, I don't worry about kind of saying to you, oh, do you know what? I'm eating all these kind of things just now. And you're like, gal, you get that like uh, grub, like like chocolate in the trolley. Like you mean... (laughs) How we love a wee snack and stuff. So, yeah, I think that's funny that food police an- analogy because I do know friends uh, in the past when I would say I was going to a dietitian at hospital when I was in high school. I'd be like, oh, they're telling you you have to watch what you eat. I'd be like, no, they're telling me to increase what I'm eating. Um, yeah, process. So. Yeah, it's really interesting. Um, So thank you for that beautiful introduction.
1: Oh, thank you. And I must just say as well, sorry to interrupt, it's actually really nice as well to be friends with you where your health's in a good place because obviously a lot of the people I see are quite poorly, so it's nice that you're you're not.
0: (laughs) Yeah, and you obviously have seen the journey as well because you came to the honeymoon period when I was kind of at my worst. Yeah. Seen sort of as a spectator, on stage and on social media, oh, Jordy's really not well. They're going into hospital a lot. Hope they're okay. Let's drop them a wee message to say, Hope you're feeling okay. And now you've seen me at my best. And you were actually the one that was with me when the young Scott announced yes. that infamous award for the show you came and saw. Like, isn't, isn't that. And ch- that
1: was insane. That was so cool to be there with you. We were like drinking Echo Falls and having a great time, weren't we? <laughs>
0: I felt like I was 17 again, because I used to always drink echo balls with the gals at high school, like when I was 17, 18. Yeah, that was our thing.
1: Iconic. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah.
0: (laughs) You know, let's just jump into this, you know, um, where did you grow up and study and, you know, sort of live before you decided to go down the route of studying dietetics and becoming a dietitian?
1: So My accent is obviously English, um, even though people don't always know that. Uh, I grew up in Shropshire, so it's like in the Midlands of England, uh, kind of in the countryside, but I was born in Sussex, that's why I say bath and grass, a bit more like a posh person, as you say. Uh, So Shropshire, yeah, it's a country uh, place, and there wasn't much going on. I started working in a bakery when I was like 15, and... I was eating all the sausage rolls and having the best time ever. And, uh, I was going to college to do my, I guess, like highers or advanced higher and my A-levels. And I was working throughout that. And then I met a dietitian one day and I said to her that I wanted to study nutrition. Cause you know, I'd never actually heard of dietetics. I didn't know what dietitian was. I don't think they're really talked about too much. I think nowadays they totally are. But when I was growing up and especially in such a small area, there probably wasn't many anyway. So she got talking to me, and she was like, you should do dietetics instead because it's a protected title. So it's just as good as nutrition, but it's better because you, you're a bit more licensed and stuff. Um, so I met up with her, actually, and she gave me loads of her resources. Um, she was just about to retire. So it was really nice. I kind of got a little friend out of it as well. It turned out she was my neighbor because, you know, it's like if you live in the country, like, everyone knows everyone. So that was that, and I just grew up, like, do not know normally I just love food I think I used to want to be a chef at one point um, which I think any of my fellows will find hilarious because I'm known to eat like chicken curry out of a can and <laughs> I've got like really bad cooking skills these days because I'm so lazy uh, I wanted to be a food critic at one point but honestly I think that's just because I wanted to eat free food and get paid for it <laughs> so yeah I think we see a bit of a trend here um I do love food and I love people I'm such a social butterfly um so when you combine the two together and also my, you know, my desire to work in healthcare and kind of think low-key would love to have been a doctor, but didn't quite, you know, I wasn't quite academic enough. So I think dietetics is the food doctor, really. So yeah, that's that's kind of what happens. I
0: absolutely love that. And you know, like, <laughs> like even though you're saying oh, academics and this sort of stuff about um, not pursuing being a doctor, like I, I could you have clearly found your foot and found the right thing for you because seeing how passionate you are about being there to help patients on the regular sort of work out their own health plan and hearing you talk about this on like phone calls and Zoom chat, not that you discuss your patients, obviously, just no. of hearing you say, or oh, it was all right. I helped this person do this. And I'm just like, oh, that that feels really wholesome. And I know you're dedicated to doing it because I know you are. Um, yeah. And it's, it's so funny because obviously there's been occasions where I'll have messaged you like, I'm thinking about doing this to my diet, what do you think? And the first thing you're like is, go and contact your
1: diet. Yeah. <laughs> Disclaimer, for legal reasons, this is a joke. Type. Like, like, <laughs> I know, it's your passion. But
0: it's true because you're right, because obviously, like, that is the way your job is and that's how it should be. And I, sometimes I just say it and go, oh, yeah, I don't even think about that, actually. You're so right. Um, and it's so interesting because just, Hearing that you worked in a bakery and were pure loving the sausage rolls, and that <laughs> absolutely amazing. Like,
1: oh, it was so funny. Like, my relationship with food is, yeah, it's great. Well, basically, I was growing up, I lived, I lived, I worked in the bakery. I wish I lived in the bakery. Uh, we used to have like some kind of sausage roll or something. Or, like, I don't know, we'd start work quite early in the morning. So, you'd have your breakfast seven in the morning or something. And I used to do this thing where I got some of the homemade bread. And then I mopped up oil from like sausages and bacon. I put the sausage and bacon and sausage roll inside the bread and made some kind of crazy cholesterol sandwich. And it was like the best thing ever. <laughs> I used to get a bun every day as well. Uh, definitely put a little bit of weight, but I was only 15. I was just living my best life. So, <laughs> yeah, it was great. Shout out to Vermeulens if anyone's from Ellesmere. Um, it's all Dutch family-owned bakery, and that's where I work. So, and honestly, it was the best first job I could have hoped for. So <laughs> That's
0: absolutely brilliant. Do you know, it's so interesting hearing you talk about all this passion. You know, what – I know it's it's easy to say what one thing, but, you know, what was it genuinely that got you passionate about wanting to go down dietetics? Because then you obviously went studied at QMU, which is how I ended up meeting you at first for QMU. Mm. What kind of actually did, what was the main fire in you for that? You know, Can you imagine what that sort of, that punch and moment was to do it?
1: Um, I think it was seeing beyond food. So like up until I realized I wanted to be a dietitian, I kind of saw food as just something to enjoy and something that made people happy, et cetera, et cetera. Obviously know that you need food to live, but then to really discover the science behind it and how we can treat different people with different diets. I just thought it was so fascinating. Um, and the impacts that nutrition can have on people's health, but also the psychological impacts. So yeah, I just think that must have been must have been it for me really.
0: That's so interesting because I have felt like for me, just with having cystic fibrosis there's obviously such a dependency on calorie intake. Mm-hmm. Me with this, I've actually noticed at the moment CAFstro and CF community came about and I started that. And I changed my diet completely because my diet is just not the same as it was before. And you know that obviously from personal um, stuff, but it's not. And I felt a massive shift in sort of me by having control. And I know this is an interesting thing for me, but I think for me, it was the fact that with this new CF medication, I was instantly given a, you can actually choose what you want to eat now and you have the choice here. And that relaxed attitude made me really enjoy food because I used to see it growing up as a you need to cram this in you to stay well yeah so I'm like and now I'm in a position where it's well you can actually sort of get this number in you and enjoy it throughout the day and I'm like oh wow and that
1: yeah and I yeah I remember when you were so excited you were like I had a salad like <laughs> you were so happy to have had a salad and not have to worry about the calories and the protein I just think that's fab but yeah it's totally the other side of the coin isn't it
0: you're so right. And it's so interesting because for me, like that was a thing that my mum couldn't get her head around. And she went, you're having like salads for dinner and lunch. And I was like, well, what? I don't need to have like, like a chippy every day anymore. And she was like, oh, that's amazing. And I was like, yeah, much better all of a sudden. I don't feel sluggish all the time. And and that's, oh. and that's not judging people that do have takeaways all the time. Because let me tell you, I usually buy pre-made salads from Tesco. I can't be fucking bored cooking. <laughs> But it's still, it's it's such an interesting thing. So, you know, I guess this is such a, a silly question to ask in a way, but I think to get in the mindset of a key worker, I would like to ask this, and you can feel free to disclose as much as you want, but yep. what was work like probably maybe four weeks before the pandemic
1: hit? Uh, to be fair, I was actually on holiday, like the week the pandemic hit, so I was buzzing to go to Paris. at <laughs> uh, My workload didn't really change too much just before the pandemic. I think because we knew about coronavirus and it just kind of seemed far away, Um, there was a bit of fear, wasn't there? And there's a bit of unknown what's going to happen to the hospitals. I was working in Fife, so I knew that it was going to be worse in London and bigger cities. I knew that I was in quite a good position to be in Fife because it's smaller. Um, And my caseload really back then was quite a lot of people going for chemotherapy and treatment. So, in that sort of area is quite uncertain and worrying what's going to happen to people's treatment regimes and where are they going to go and also the fear that someone that's that vulnerable might catch it and and what are the consequences of that so yeah it was kind of just an uncertain time I wouldn't really have called it that stressful because it hadn't really hit it was just more like what's going to happen so
0: that's really interesting because like obviously there's such a thing in the news and I know you obviously have to be mindful of what you say in terms of your work. But I think for me, the news did, I've got two friends that are key workers that are a physio and a nurse, Mm -hmm. different hospitals in Edinburgh. And they were very much like like you at the beginning, right, we need to go through all this and get this going now, this is work. But it did become very much a like, sort of not scaremongering, but a COVID-19, all these people dying, the hospital's under pressure and everyone was scared to turn on. Channel One News because of it.
1: Do you know what I mean? Yeah, and I it was just weird. So I yeah. go. On.
0: Yeah, I was just going to say, and it must was it at any point a bit maybe scary for you having to go into work?
1: Funny, I've never really felt too scared to go into work. Um, I think because I'm young and and fit, I've not got any sort of health problems. But for me, the fear was was what would happen if I caught it at work and gave it to someone else. I was very happy to have caught it and wouldn't mind about being poorly myself but i just was terrified of giving it to someone else and being part of of that so but fortunately i don't really have anyone vulnerable up here um my family are all down south so i don't really have anyone at risk that i would have been passing it to but remember, at the beginning of the pandemic no one was wearing masks and i remember you know me and my one of my colleagues were like shall we buy a mask do you think we're going to need them for the supermarket? And it was just weird. You just look back, don't you? And that just wasn't a thing, was it, to wear a mask? And even in hospital, I remember the first day that you'd go onto the wards and you'd have to wear a mask when you got into the ward and then you know, by now it's like you wear one literally constantly except for when you open your mouth to put a sip of tea in <laughs> so yeah it's very strange and I remember seeing like little posters going up like oh this is a red area and there was red arrows on the floor and I was like oh my god I'm going into the danger zone it was just very strange yeah
0: that's so interesting you see it like the danger zone that's so interesting because when, yeah. when I had port flash at Western and you sort of heard this tannoy when I go in saying. Please do wash your hands and wear mask. And I was like, the fuck is that? Because normally, <laughs> it's like a bit like an airport. I mean, I'm going in and yeah.
1: an airport right now. Like, please watch. Oh, yeah. <laughs> it was howling. See, when I first started, because I started working at the Western uh, on Monday last week, and everywhere there's these little tannoy things on the walls. And as soon as you go kind of near it, it's like sensor triggered. So it'll just be like, please maintain social distancing. See? Yeah. <laughs> It was good though, it's like a constant reminder, but yeah, it's good. That's so funny. and It's, it's important for safety, but yeah, it was quite funny.
0: I know, I could have done with her maybe like four years ago when I was dating this other guy.
1: <laughs> <laughs> Please maintain a safe distance from him.
0: <laughs> Please do not go near the Tories. <laughs> so it's so interesting hearing about this. So in terms of the NHS stuff, you know, was there a lot of emphasis in the first few months when masks and PPE became a thing and sort of COVID restrictions? Did work get harder, like in summer, for example, just before things were restric- restrictions were lessened in August, etc.? Was it getting quite like difficult and strenuous?
1: It was just exhausting. I think mentally, it still is, and like anyone working at the moment will say that as well. And particularly in summer. It was just like, oh, is this not over yet? And then you'd be going out to the park and being responsible and you'd see all these massive groups of people just totally not bothering about the rules. And it was frustrating to see. Like, it made me want to be a Karen and just go up to them and be like, stop doing this, you're breaking the rules. But like, I don't know, it's like, you can't. And then the police weren't really anywhere to be seen. And it was just annoying. Like, that was the main thing. And I was like, I'm still grafting away. It's beautiful sunshine and I don't have time to enjoy it because I'm working and everyone else is just having a great time. But then, you know, you step back and you're like, oh, these people have maybe not got a job and, yeah, you know, a lot of them are young people. What a rubbish, rubbish time for them. Mm-hmm. So, you know, I do, I do empathise, so. You're but, yeah.
0: me, like, I remember something that was like, teenagers aren't wearing masks, that were like 13, 14 on buses and stuff and a lot of people were kind of going through them and I was like, well, I do agree with you, but let's remember that I'm 26, you're 29, getting raging with this. I don't know what my friends would have been like at 13, 14. I don't. Mm-hmm. I we would have been responsible. We would have wore more of them. But then I, back then, probably wouldn't have one. And the amount of people, when I looked really healthy, would have went, why are they not wearing this mask? They Then And I'd be like, I've got CF. Do you know what I mean? Like, you, you can't really, at this point, in my opinion, try and point blame anymore. We need to just, unfortunately, accept that this has been nearly a year. It's interesting, actually, to get a key worker on because it's nearly been a year of the pandemic and
1: oh, yeah
0: dealt that energy in the air the last two days i know a joke about mercury in retrograde but like you know you feel everyone is like it's four weeks away from the year anniversary and we don't even want to celebrate that let alone think it's even a thing
1: no it's so weird like it's just gone so quick and I don't know if anyone else feels like this, but this year doesn't feel like a new year. It just feels like a rollover. And, like, I've noticed that people say, you know, last year something happened, whatever. And then I'm like, what year do you mean? 2019 2020? Like, it's so confusing. So, yeah.
0: We've had two guests, in fact, three guests before you that have said the same thing that this year feels like sort of either a reprise or a sort of second act, a musical that is sh- <laughs> but more shit has happened like
1: <laughs> yeah <laughs> oh god
0: analogy is like a, a sort of second half in the musical where the time is shorter but loads happens and you're a bit like whoa roller coaster and um, you're so right mm-hmm. you know i can imagine and feel free to you know not answer too much here if you're not comfortable but right. second wave i feel must have been even harder than the first initial one or was it actually just the same
1: it was weird. It was like, in some ways it was harder because there was more guidance. So things were a lot stricter and tougher. And also we knew what was coming. So it was harder because it was like, oh, here we go again. But it's worth because we actually know what's happening and it's scary. Then that, that was coupled with like the new strain. Um, Obviously, like the new strain had been more down south and stuff. But there was that fear that, yeah, you might be immune to the first wave. But then there's this new strain coming about. So that was really scary. In some ways, it was easier because we knew what to expect, so we didn't all panic, we didn't all not know what to do, like at least we had action plans in place, and actually a lot of the services just carried on as normal, whereas in the first wave, loads of stuff was stopped because everyone didn't know what was going to happen, so at least in the second wave, we, we knew what was coming, uh, and we had so much more guidance with PPE and so much more evidence. Um, and, and testing as well, like regular testing. Well, I say regular. It depends on funding and which area you're in, but I've been very lucky to have regular testing. So.
0: Yeah, it's funny, because I remember you had got your first one in sort of summer, and I was with you, obviously, and you were like, oh, I've just had a COVID test, so I know I'm fine, and I was like, that's amazing. And we were still allowed to teach her, but you were like, I just want to make sure for you because I work in a hospital, blah, blah. And I know a lot of my friends are nurses glasgow etc we're getting the same thing which i think is great that they did that and of Mm -hmm. their best because of fund independent as you mentioned um it's interesting as well because obviously i I don't know if you would be comfortable talking about this and if you're not feel free to say but you actually ended up having covid
1: yeah no i'm i'll be quite open about that i think there's a bit of stigma about people that get covid because the first thing that those people ask me was where did you get it And they're like assuming that I've broken the rules or something, which was quite hard because I've actually been really careful. Uh, I've not seen my family for for ages and I've not gone to house parties or done anything. So, yeah, that was that was an interesting experience. It actually I finished isolating just before Christmas. So I was really lucky. Um, I wasn't, you know, too poorly. I I did feel pretty crap. Um, And how did I find out? I I did have symptoms. I just went and got tested with my flatmate and we both isolated um but it's just the drama of like what's to do with work the panic oh my god did i give it to someone um yeah so and, and luckily i've been really careful and have no social life anyway so i hadn't gone and seen anyone um so yeah a minimal amount of people involved so that was good but yeah the thing that they don't tell you about is the phone call you get from test and protect so i was like probably like the Day one or day two of having tested positive, and I get this like hour-long phone call with someone from Test and Protect, and they were asking me everything about what I'd done exactly, like every minute of every day for the last week, which is amazing. Like honestly, the person that interviewed me could have been a dietitian because the amount of detail she went into is almost like taking a diet history. Like what what sort of spread do you have on your toast? Type level of detail. And I couldn't remember what I'd done a week ago and I was like if I was old and quite sick do you imagine having to try and remember all that information and she was like did you go to a shop on you know Sunday like 10 days before you caught it what color knickers were you wearing and who did you see and it was it was so hard so yeah that was something they don't tell you about but it was very interesting so I was quite I was quite impressed with how thorough they were
0: that's so good to know that obviously they were quite thorough but I didn't realize that I guess for test and trace, that's obviously a big thing that they'll need to kind of try and manoeuvre around, but fuck me, that's intense when you're literally, like, ill in bed with symptoms. Yeah. But like, Because you've got a partner, which I'm sure we'll touch on later, but you've got a partner, you're probably thinking, oh, my God, can I see him because I've got COVID? And also, like, oh, my God, I've got it. Have I given it to any fucking patients? And you're not going to get told, well, did you go to Sainsbury's on Sunday and buy, like, a magazine? <laughs> Do you know what I mean? Like...
1: So- no, it was just a whirlwind uh, yeah as I say I was quite lucky because I tested positive on like the Wednesday or Thursday I've not seen my boyfriend since the Sunday so he was in the clear um and I'd been at work like the day before I felt poorly so it was all it was all good in the end but the best thing to do and I guess my advice is for anyone just be honest even if you've broken the rules and you feel bad, and you know that it's illegal or whatever, it's better just to tell the truth because the implications then are that, you know, if anyone has been at risk, at least then they can be contacted. It's a bit like STDs or something. Like if you know that you've, you've done something, it's better just to say it than, you know, someone doesn't know. So. And it's funny.
0: So hearing you talk about you had COVID and you've obviously just not seen your family in ages, you know, mm-hmm. sort of things have you as a key worker? Because I feel like you have a lot of people right now are deserving the most self-care, self-love self self of them all. Not to like belittle anyone's feelings, but I see you, my friend who's a physio, my friend who's a nurse, I see all you and go, right, they need their downtime. Like you, I think, the one top friend that I've got that I'm, if I don't hear from you, I'm like, they are like a key worker. They need space. Like, (laughs) I feel like what sort of stuff have you done the last 10 months to cope?
1: um I've I've been grateful to be working that's been my coping mechanism weirdly enough uh because it keeps me busy I'm usually someone that's super on the go um before COVID and I'd be like going out all the time and having loads of plans and doing stuff because I just I'm not into sitting about not into being at home all the time um and I'd probably get flack from my flatmates about how I used to just be out uh so yeah I guess I don't know I started doing quite a lot of wild swimming um, which you know about because uh, you've got friends who do that as well and I found that really fun it was a bit of an escape especially if I was feeling quite anxious it's just good for me just to get into the cold water don't get me wrong I'm not doing it all the time um, but I will be out there in my swimsuit and it's just great so that's something and obviously just being around you know flatmate is amazing Gemma she's lovely And she's got a cat as well. I think having something furry to stroke is really helpful and just singing in the shower. I don't know. I'm really easily pleased. So I think that's probably, that's probably about it really. And, um, having more takeaways probably that, like I'm not ashamed to admit it at the beginning of the first wave and Uber Eats and Delivery were just being absolute angels and giving NHS people like free takeaways <laughs> I definitely used and abused it <laughs> I had the best time I was like oh I'm sick of pizza oh can't be bothered to have Chinese oh, I mean a novelty soon wore off but yeah things like that I don't know it's like you've got to celebrate the little things haven't you?
0: I, I love, personally, one, I love that they've been doing that for key workers because, to me, that was one of the best things that delivery service, services did. I was really impressed with that. But, two, I love that you, a lot of, like you said, stigma. I think a lot of people like, oh, the food police are going to say, don't get a takeaway. You need to eat five fruits and veg a day, and that's it. And you're sitting here like, I was loving the free food and take <laughs> <laughs> it myself. My pal, is going to be sitting going, yes,
1: Cam. like <laughs> I am the spokesperson for the takeaways.
0: Yeah. yeah, obviously your sponsor, Activia, have got you through as well.
1: <laughs> of course, yeah, literally. And when I had COVID, it was toast. Toast is my saviour. It's so underrated and, like, it's just so good. You can put so much on toast.
0: Calf, one mm-hmm. of my, like, my go-to, all my friends know this, my go-to snack is bread. Like, bread, yes. cheese, like, cheese and herb sticks, garlic. <sighs> It's garlic bread, bread with and like I just like can spread in it and on bread. You can spread marmite, humus. Yes, your mom might love
1: it. I'm into that.
0: <laughs> just honestly, <laughs> she's great. So I, to, my new thing this week actually has been having a lot of rice cakes. Which don't know why. Okay. Just I love rice cakes anyway. I have for years, but I actually trying new things out. My thing is once a week I like to be. Like, okay, let's try this on it. I tried um, lemon curd on a rice cake the other day. It was quite nice.
1: That's like a weird kind of lemon meringue type situation. Yeah, but it's
0: weird. Cure the boredom. <laughs> One thing I would like to ask as a dietitian's point, from a dietitian point of view, let's go back to your work, right? How do you feel like the pandemic has impacted on people's um, weight from sort of professional experience? Your personal experience too but how do you feel like that's impacted from people's weight
1: okay i guess starting off from a personal experience was the takeaways didn't do me any favors in terms of my weight uh, i did put on like six kilos at the beginning of lockdown um and i think that was just because i was enjoying the food freedom but also because i wasn't going out anywhere and you do forget well i don't know if you forget it actually it's probably quite obvious but like society's perception of your body probably dictates how you feel about it Uh, And so not having to dress up for nights out and not really having anyone to impress with with my body and my confidence. I just wasn't fussed about what it looked like. But then I was like, oh, I don't actually fit into my trousers anymore. So so I had to do something about that. And so that's how it affected my weight. And then in terms of my patients, because all the people I see, I'm trying to get them to put on weight. So nutritional support. A lot of people that have any kind of disease mean usually that they need more calories and protein just because the disease can help burn up the energy. Uh, And that coupled with loneliness, isolation, maybe problems getting food. At the very beginning, we had the issue that people were hoarding things like bread and milk uh, and stuff like that from the shops. And there's those poor little elderly people that couldn't get hold of them. A lot of our advice would be things like milk and store-covered ingredients that people couldn't get access to. So that was a big problem. Um, And I think, yeah, a lot of my patients that have cancer really suffered uh, with weight loss because they might have been more lonely um, and they also just struggling mentally to cope. And I think sometimes people sort of link feeling lonely or sad with overeating but for a lot of people it means undereating or a lack of self-care and they're just not fussed about food anymore so yeah it's it's really sad actually uh, and sometimes it's something as simple as uh, in hospital patients used to have visitors come in and bring them food and if they didn't like the hospital food they'd rely on that and then since covid there's less visitors and sometimes no visitors at all so then they've that's their food source cut off basically so it is really hard um yeah
0: that's like so insightful. Thank you for sharing that because you're breaking a lot of sort of stigma and judgments. I feel that a lot of people listening might go, oh, like people have been eating loads because they're in lockdown and people are maybe eating too much and people are putting on a lot of weight. I mean I know I put a lot of weight on when starting capsule, which is amazing. but I also just think to myself, you know one thing me, my dietitian spoke about was coming off the peg feed them. And I'm so glad I managed to do that. Obviously, a lot of people listening know this, but a lot of people don't, that I managed to stop pig feeding, which I've done since I was seven-year-old. And I haven't touched one since September. I feel like saying that, like, I haven't touched one since, like, I've not touched a drink. <laughs> but it's obviously great that I've not had to. But one of the things we talked about was, you know, I used to have a very busy schedule before pandemic that I worked three jobs and studied and was never at home. So I can't even imagine what it would be like if I was on my feet all the time, that maybe I would drop a little bit of weight. And these are things we factored in that now the pandemic, obviously the vaccinations are rolling out, which is amazing. We're very much like, well, let's see how things are when return to normal, that maybe I would need to keep the feeding tube in just in case I then start to burn things when I'm properly on my feet. Because mm-hmm. the thing I've said to them, and they're really happy about, which you as a dietitian will probably see both sides with this, right? As my friend, but as a dietitian that they're very happy that I am saying, well, actually, let's not jump in the deep end here because this isn't a really everyday sort of situation. You know, this isn't a normal swimming pool. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. There's a lot of different sort of restrictions in place, so we'll see how things are when everyday life eventually returns normal. I don't even know if it will have returned to normal. (sighs) Yeah, that's, like, so insightful to hear you talk about that because one of the things I want my listeners to also take, take into account is, if they have put on a bit of weight during the pandemic to like go easier on yourself and be kind to yourself because when people are exhausted, they eat. I, I, I am so bad for like eating when I'm stressed and I don't even think it's bad because I usually, when I stress, burn a lot of energy. That's why I end up hungry. Mm-hmm. Um, but I know that you had spoke on Jordi's juice about this before that a little and often approach is quite useful and also that, you know, it's easier to, you said sort of how, let like you rephrase it because obviously maybe I'm paraphrasing it, but you were like, it's better to put on a bit of weight and then you can lose it rather than sort of lose weight and have to gain it back am i right
1: yeah you've done your homework and i I always think like sometimes people come to me they've lost loads of weight through slimming world or you know other uh, weight loss agencies are available Uh, and then they struggle to put it back on and it's so hard to put on weight i think you'll know this totally Geordie. like honestly Putting on weight is so hard because you're fighting with so many different factors, whereas losing weight usually is just a calorie deficit, as well as all of the psychological stuff. But yeah. Totally. It's just mm-hmm.
0: so, this brings me on to my next question for you. Dietetics in detail. You know, what made you? I know it's probably a, a daft question. I mean, what made you, but what made you kind of decide to start your up your own professional Instagram account that I love? So shout out to that, by the way. I always love
1: oh.
0: your stories and posts.
1: Oh, thanks so much. This is the plug. Yeah, I feel like an influencer. So like when I graduated uni, I just wanted to document what it'd be like to start working. Uh, kind of because I've always been quite a reflective person. And part of being a dietitian is about reflective practice. It's about looking back at what you've done, what went wrong, what went really well, and what can you do next time to improve yourself. Obviously, that principle applies to a lot of different careers and jobs, and just life in general. Um, so, I did the Instagram. Also, you know, who doesn't love a bit of validation online? So, <laughs> I started just posting stuff about you know what it was like to be a dietitian in the NHS. I think initially, I didn't want to be the person that was giving advice. Uh, definitely not, anyway, because I can't really do that tailored advice as well. I, I wasn't interested in being like a body positivity account, just because. I don't do that for my job usually like it's it's nutritional support that I do um and I wanted to be a bit different I think because I didn't know anything about dietetics or dietitians when I was wanting to be one I wanted it to be something that people could look then oh what does what is a dietitian you know and see that and just that would hopefully inspire people to do it because like you'll know obviously how passionate I am about it I'm just like I'm not greedy I want to share it with everyone so it's <laughs> doing that and and actually a lot of the messages I get from people who are either at uni and want to know more about what it's actually like once you graduate, or people that might be like 16, 17 doing their A levels or their highs, whatever, uh, and just like, should I be a dietitian in terms of what does it entail? I remember a while ago, I had an NG tube inserted. So it's one of those feeding tubes that goes through your nose and into your stomach. And I did it because I wanted to see what it's like for a patient to go through. But I had, I posted on Instagram, and loads of people were like, Oh my God, do you have to do this as a dietitian? They were like, I think I wanted to be a dietitian, but now I'm not too sure if you have to do things like this. And I was like, no, 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 no. I literally volunteered to do that and I don't want to put people off for it. So yeah, I think hopefully it's a bit of an educational resource. Um, and it's also good for me just to see you know, how far I've come in terms of my learning. So yeah.
0: For me, seeing that post where you had done that ANG tube, as someone that had those when I was like, sort of six to seven and a half, and then I got the button fitted when I was eight, like seeing you do that was one of the most inspiring things I've seen for it to happen in 2020. Like- It's so nice. And I know you're so bashful and go, oh, you're so nice, thank you. But that for me was such an incredible thing to see as someone that went through that personally for a health reason to see Mm -hmm. one that I envisioned if I had been that eight year old and I had seen my dietitian, you were my dietitian saying, okay, Mm -hmm. I've had this done and I know what it feels like. And I'm here, I'm going to be here to watch, to like listen to like nurses. That would have been one of the most amazing things to have seen as a child. And that's why I feel like you working in dietetics that if you've got patients who might need to get that now, you can say to them, I've actually had it and I totally get it because I wanted to know what it felt like for you. And that compassion and empathy is really something that I think a lot of people listening to this podcast could take away from you is how compassionate and caring you actually are.
1: Oh, thank you so much. Yeah, I just, I think it's always good if you're going to try and recommend things to people to to know what it's like. And that is empathy, isn't it? It's to know what it's like to go through someone else's things and it's even a bit like those supplement drinks you'll you'll know about them so like high energy high protein some people call them build-up drinks they're they're not for bodybuilders in the gym they're for disease related malnutrition usually and uh you know you'll go to patients who quite often have a preconceived idea of what they'll taste like and they'll be like oh they're horrible or, you know some people absolutely love them i try to be very un Unbiased, Because if you act like they're horrible, of course, someone's not going to like to drink them. So I did as well back in like was it September, I did like two days of just drinking them. And I had no food because people that have got uh, inflammatory bowel disease sometimes have to go on a sole sort of milkshake style diet to rest their gut. And I was like, do you imagine just not biting into something? And imagine just having to drink these drinks that can be quite sickly. So I did that. (laughs) And sometimes nurses or doctors, like especially junior doctors, will be writing patients up for them when the patient's not well. Or maybe they're just like, you know, struggling with everything. And I'll be like, have you ever tried one before? And I've taken doctors into the kitchen before and said, oh, do you want to try one? They'll have one. And they're like, oh, is that what it tastes like? So yeah, it's really good to, to try and be in people's shoes. Yeah, certainly
0: that's absolutely incredible i just think you're such a beam of light in this shitty world right now
1: (laughs) you should have seen me today that we had this new product uh i'm not going to mention the brand name but it's like super super high calorie and high protein and there was one that was a hazelnut flavor and it was so delicious i was like i hope i don't get hooked on these (laughs) (laughs) so you had to try them just to make sure that when we're recommending them we, we know what they taste like and they're so good like some of them amazing
0: how is it feeling for you going into a new job now like how has that been
1: uh in a word excellent it's just been so good uh I absolutely loved my old job in Fife I haven't got a bad word to say about it Uh, It was an excellent first job and the people were incredible. I learned so much as well and it really honed my skills and just sort of made me realize what I was interested in. Moving to a job in Edinburgh, though, has just been such a great thing for me. Um, I guess first and foremost is that I live in Edinburgh, so it's so much more accessible. I don't have to rely on public transport or car sharing or anything like that means like 45 minutes to an hour of physical activity in the morning and in the evening as well, uh, which isn't a bad thing, especially not, you know, it's really good for your mental health. It's made me feel amazing and it gives me time to think about things, listen to podcasts and listen to music and stuff. Uh, I've been enjoying cycling to work as well. So yeah, that's been the main change. And then just being able to work in an oncology team and call myself an oncology dietitian is huge for me because in Pfizer, didn't have the funding really specifically for that. So I always kind of felt like not an imposter, but just someone that was like tagging along, like, oh, I'm an oncology dietitian, but I'm not really, I'm like, this job's not been a pay increase. It's not an increased band. I'm still a band five, which is the basic start-off as a newly qualified dietitian. Uh, I've been working for like a year and a half now, but um, it's great to work in a team of people that are as passionate about an area that I am, if that makes sense. Uh, I'm learning so much and doing things that I didn't do in Fife just purely because of the location. So at the West in general, they do a lot of specialised cancer services. So it just means that I get access to learn more and work with people that are going through different treatments. So it's been really good. And the people are so lovely. I've got such a fab team. So.
0: brilliant, that's so amazing. Kath, honestly, this has been such a great interview. Sort of, it feels short and sweet, but actually we've covered such a range of questions and topics. And One of the things that we ask people for season two, as opposed to season one of Afternoon Delight, is what did they feel 2020 taught them? And what are they grateful for in 2021? I would love for you to share your answers.
1: Yeah. So like, I'm sure I'm not alone in saying this, but it's definitely taught me what's important to me. Um, it's taught me that how appreciative I am to have this career beyond how passionate I am, but also just how lucky I am to have worked because I could not have coped with working from home or being furloughed. And I have so much respect for people that are doing that. Um, because it would be so isolating. I think, bringing that into 2021 I'm just gonna live each day as if it's my last which is so cheesy but I just feel like life is so unpredictable and like COVID has taught us like life is really precious and unexpected things have happened to people and you know you just don't know what's around the corner so it's better just to and you know, try and do the best that you can with things so yeah it's <laughs> so cheesy but yeah it's so true
0: it's not cheesy at all I love that What is the one thing, if you could pick one thing you're so proud of, you've accomplished in your work, what would it be?
1: Uh god one thing is so hard I'm so bad at even just like picking favorite films and stuff I did think about this for a long time but I just think that every time I see a patient and I manage to achieve one thing with them to me that feels like the biggest achievement I've had like it could be something really stupid like the patient really really wants some Quakers porridge oats but the kitchen don't have any so if I go and ring the kitchen or if I ring someone to get some bought in and then they do that that just makes my day and it makes the patient's day so yeah bit of a cop-out answer but I'd probably say it was that and I'm probably just getting this new job as well I'm quite proud of myself (laughs) that's so
0: lovely okay one thing I am gonna ask if you could pick your favorite snack what would (laughs) it and it can't be Activia
1: (laughs) my favorite snack is you of course (laughs) (laughs) oh my god (laughs) <laughs> my favorite food snack my favorite edible snack um is is not yeah yogurts fab i'd probably say it's cereal bars i mean that's like i just love a bit of belvita or like something like that you just put it in your pocket and it's got like loads of stuff in it it's got fiber you get in your vitamins and minerals there's something very comforting about them and they also double up as a biscuit that you can dunk in your tea so they're kind of multi-purpose
0: listen to that for the gal or <laughs> on the go grab some tell according to corner cap i'm here for that <laughs> or you can grab me because i'm the best snack apparently <laughs> <laughs> I will. you're the first guest on afternoon delight out of two seasons that's made me laugh for longer than five seconds. Well done.
1: (laughs) Thank (laughs) you. Maybe I should pursue a career in stand-up comedy with the fringes isn't happening this year. (laughs) Well, it might be, actually, I don't know.
0: Secret talents you've got. You're a Scorpio, many
1: talents.
0: (laughs) Oh, this has been such a lovely interview, Calf. Honestly, I'm just so glad that we managed to blossom a friendship in 2020, and I can't wait... Mm -hmm the pain of us doing 2021 because it feels like we're doing really well despite the shit that's been going on in the storm we're kind of coming at the other end
1: yeah I'm so proud of you and everything you've done as well like I know I've been listening to bits of your podcast and you always talking everyone else up but let's just appreciate you for a minute um it was your birthday at the weekend and we had a little zoom call and it was just made my heart so full I just think you're such a fab person and you're surrounded by so many fab people as well um so yeah <laughs> and I've been beaming this whole time I know it's a podcast and no one can see me I'm literally wearing my Christmas llama pyjamas like smiling from air to air so it's been really nice
0: I'm so glad before we finish off Kath every episode we end with an amazing quote that reflects either the person or inspires others it can be a lyric a song a quote but we would love for you to afternoon delight share your quote before we round off
1: this was the hardest question ever I was like I don't know but I settled on don't settle for crumbs when you can have the whole cake so let's just let's just think about that for a minute (laughs) I think that's such a good one because it just means don't go for anything less than what you deserve why would you have what's falling off the thing that you need you know and yeah why would you have crumbs off cake when you can have the cake so yeah
0: (laughs) make of that what you will (laughs) i love it a quote with multi-purpose i love that
1: just a practical gal you
0: know <laughs> uh, thank you so much for joining us on afternoon delight stay safe and keep smashing it saving us all from covid19
1: oh thank you so much for having me
0: calf <laughs> i will happily have you every time and no that is not a dirty pun <laughs> i know calf's boyfriend might be listening let me tell you darling You have nothing to worry about. Well, maybe you do. (laughs) Calf will know what I'm talking about. But absolutely nothing to worry about in regards to me stealing Calf. Calf, don't worry. I'll respect your wishes and not pursue your boyfriend. (laughs) Honestly, this was such a lovely interview. I know I joked at the beginning saying I'd had a glass of wine um, and it was very fitting. But it's because me and Calf are just so notorious for being wine pals that... I had at high school so many gal pals that we would drink Falls like we've mentioned in an interview um, and that was our thing and I love that Kath has kind of in a way um, got that thing that we've got where we have wine together and chat shit which is absolutely great the helpful thing about Kath being a dietitian for me personally in a selfish way is her understanding and empathising on a professional level but on a personal level as a friend I feel like my friendship in a way maybe gives her a bit more empathy in her work because she can get on a personal level with patients, maybe maybe not, but I feel like that'll probably be a give and take situation here key workers to me deserve to have their voice heard, I had to get Kath on, we had struck a friendship over Wasted Jew if she'd came to the honeymoon period, we'd obviously met for uni and sort of freshers and her working at Ed's Diner with my friend Kelly and Sophia, it was just such a lovely friendship for me that I am grateful for in 2020 that me and Kath managed to finally get a meeting in in August and get wine when it was all allowed inside my house. And then go CC's regularly for wine and tequila, which, God, I've never drunk tequila since, because the hangover was hellish. But the amount of times me and Calf genuinely have had such great times together, and I will always treasure and hold it with me that she was there with me for the Young Scott Arts Award first win, because for me, that was a big moment in my life that I got to share with her, and I hope she understands for me that I treasure that. And I hope she gets to treasure that too. She's an absolute icon. The interview was just so hard to tee, he calling me a snack. I mean, I'm, I find that hilarious. I think she's a snack. Um, you know, I could keep having that snack. <laughs> but honestly, it's it's um, incredible to talk to key workers right now who have still got the time to offer their time. Because I'll be honest, like, interviewing calf, I thought to myself... Is she even going to be able to free up any time for this? She's just moved jobs. She's doing all this. But absolutely um, fine. It was funny because before we did an interview, she was quite worried about time. I said, oh, why? Is everything okay? She goes, oh, just making dinner, getting stressed about the time. (laughs) But dietitian and work, dietitian in the house. Love it. And she's an absolute um, hero right now for the NHS. Anyone that's listening who's got family, friends in the NHS send them a text message telling them how much you love them and you care about them because right now they really need this. I've had half my vaccine done. I'm so bloody um, proud of scientists and NHS professionals that made that happen, people that offered themselves for the vaccine um, trials. I'll be honest, the side effects were a bit difficult for me because I haven't been ill for so long, but I wasn't that ill, but it was like having a cold, and wow, wow. I can't wait I'm going to say this, but how grateful am I that I was ill for two days to then realise how well I've been because I'm reaching one week away from a year of no IV antibiotics, which I know calf. seeing me at my worst and now seeing me at my best as an NHS professional and a friend, and even if my dietician is listening to this, I know that they'll get teary-knowing just how much of an amazing thing that was for me to come out of 2020. So thank you so much for joining the afternoon delight. Like, please keep an eye out on Kath's dietitian Instagram. She's incredible. The NG tube moment for me sets her apart from the rest. I can't actually thank her enough as a patient for that. The, when I saw that Instagram post go out, I cried. And I messaged her straight away. I've, I'm crying now, actually, thinking about it. Um, so thank you, Kath, for being such an amazing person, working at H S. and thank you to anyone... From the bottom of my heart, I dedicated my award, actually. Before we finish with this, I dedicated my award to the NHS staff that got me here to this point, and I will continue to do so, whether it's a Pride of Britain, an Oscar, a Tony, an Olivier, or even just a certificate for the Duke of Edinburgh, whatever it is, I will dedicate everything to them because they got me here, and this episode is dedicated to all them, especially... Catherine Leggett. Please do subscribe, give Kath a follow. I'll be back next week with one of my favourite DJs from Edinburgh who moved to Berlin. Very excited to share that story with you. We've got Eva Crystal Tips. And I'm going to keep the next guest as a surprise. But a very good surprise if all of you know what I'm referring to. We're going to keep it in the family, I reckon, this week. Stay safe. Lots of love to you all. And remember to breathe. Afternoon delight. Real people, real stories, a local podcast, The local artist.